Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, reindeer. had a very shiny nose, Nacho Mama's Christy Podcast. I am your host, Shane, here with my brother, you don't know like the little sayings after each one? Yeah, I do. Go ahead, do it really quick. Uh, that, here, here's the whole I was going to tell you, though. I had to stop singing that song because I don't know anybody where it's at. Are that. you serious? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see how many of the sayings you know because you might be able to infer okay. it from one. Rotha Red Nose Reindeer. Reindeer. <laughs> kind of very shiny nose. Like a light bulb. And then, oh. Uh, you don't and, know it either. And if you ever saw it, <laughs> saw it. you would even say it closed. Like like a light bulb. <laughs> you wouldn't even say it glows? I think No, you'd even say it grows. Oh, like, grows. That's your fault. <laughs> like Pinocchio. Um, all of the other reindeer. Reindeer. You still laughing? Call him names. Uh, like <laughs> like idiot. <laughs> what was it? They never let poor Rudolph. Rudolph. Joining any reindeer games. Like Monopoly. Yeah. So what's go. the other? What's that? I don't one? remember. You don't know it either? I know people are going to flip out. Oh, no. Uh, oh, gosh. You still laughing? Call him names. Like... Like a like a I don't like a light bulb. <laughs> I don't know. People what it are is. freaking. Who listens and screaming yeah. into their AirPods? Well, or here's whatever. the thing. I was just saying last year for our Christmas episode, we played a game where you would start singing a Christmas song and then stop, and then Topper and I would have to sing the next line. Topper, R.I.P. You know, yeah, um, pour one up. And I couldn't. I couldn't do. I, I I was terrible at it. I don't. I really do not know lyrics to Christmas songs. <laughs> I know why. Why? Why are you so bad at it? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I I just I can't. I don't know the words. I know like the like the choruses or whatever, but that's about it. So, hey, Erica, let me ask you a question. Hold on, I'm looking up the lyrics really quick. Oh, you are. Real the renders reindeer reindeer had a very shiny nose like a light bulb. And if you ever saw it, saw it, you would even say it glows like a flash, like a flashlight. What? That's wrong. I don't know what all the- of the other reindeer reindeer used to have to call him names like Pinocchio. There's the uh, Pinocchio. See, I never said grow. It doesn't grow. I, that, why His do, nose I, doesn't grow. Eric, I just talked about how I don't know any <laughs> lyrics. Why did you take my so word for it? So for the Pinocchio it? one, there you go. Okay. Yeah, why would it grow? <laughs> what was I thinking? Why would I trust you? Because I was thinking Pinocchio. Oh, gosh. You're, yeah, Pinocchio's nose grows. Oh, gosh. And the whole time we were like, oh, what is the, what do they call him? And they're like, <laughs> you said it. <laughs> Everybody's freaking out. So, Eric, are you doing a Christmas series at church right now? Yep. All I want for Christmas is like the like the you, Mariah Carey song. Yeah, yeah. Ba da ba for Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, we are the Christmas tree. Yeah, what's yours? Some uh, let me guess. Thrill of hope. No, that's, uh, that's literally every church. Though. <laughs> every church. Does. A season of hope. <laughs> no, it's it's not reason for the season. What? Well, hold on. What is yours? Awkward family Christmas. Uh, so you're gonna wear. Let me guess. You wear an awkward Christmas sweater every time. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did. I'm wearing. I'm wearing one every week while I preach. But we're talking about the awkward people involved in the Christmas story and your awkward family, like John. That was the first one we did. <laughs> and you're saying that because I've already told you this. <laughs> we already had this conversation yesterday. Yeah. Um, so for your your Christmas sermons, you always tell a Christmas story. Most of the time, like a personal Christmas story. Yeah. So you, us Valensteins are storytellers. Yes. Um, and so we, uh, I texted you this week asking you some of your Christmas stories that you tell. Because whenever mm-hmm. you do the same thing, but when I go to tell a story, I'll think, oh, I need a story that 
does this and I like to tell mm-hmm. stories because it's like funny and it's yeah. easy for me to say memorable it, and people like it yeah so I'll always text you or Topper RIP poor man out yeah I'll text them about like hey I need this I have this situation coming can you give me a story I yeah. used to ask Erica she never helps <laughs> she doesn't remember any stories so I don't ask her anymore yeah um, cause I, and I also don't want to tell the same story every single time but right right what did right. you tell your Christmas story yesterday um the yesterday I talked about uh, the time when Erica. Gave a my wife, g- your wife, my wife, <laughs> um, king of the castle. When uh, when Erica gave a gift that she received, <laughs> yeah, and uh, you it, you tell this story a lot too, right? I told it yesterday. Told it yesterday. <laughs> yeah. We so both told it at our churches. Yesterday. Oh, it's perfect. The same story. So, do you want me to tell it? Yeah, go ahead. I, I think sh- you're better at telling it. Yeah, probably. So Erica is a teacher, and as a teacher, a lot of times you get Christmas gifts from your kids. And oftentimes you get gifts where you're like, what am I going to do with this? We have a closet that the top shelf is just for presents we don't want. Yeah. And it's just, it's re-gift or white elephant. In case you didn't know, if you were thinking, what do I get my kids' teachers? Gift cards. Yes. What do you get your pastors? Gift cards. Cash money. <laughs> Cash money. <laughs> That's all we want. Yeah. Um, and, and so Erica one year got this present from a student and it was like a candle that she really didn't like. She doesn't like food smelling candles. So like cupcake. Scented. Or cherry, cherry. Yeah. She doesn't like anything cherry. Oh, she I like, like cherry. She doesn't like cherries. She doesn't like, <laughs> she doesn't like cherry flavored candy. So, what she about like cherry, cherry, cherry coke? Nope. Oh. She likes vanilla coke, but not cherry coke. Okay. Well, anyways, so she got this candle that she really didn't like, and um, and if you attended either of our churches and you've heard this story, uh, but it's funny because we both shared it the same week, um, and so uh, she got this candle, and then she we go and have our family Christmas, and she gives a last gift to our mom, her mother in law, and as she gives it, before my mom opens it. She says, look, I'm going to be honest. This is a gift that was given to me. I did not buy this. You didn't ask for this, but I don't want it. I don't like it. I don't I, like it. I yeah. think it's really ugly. It's not my style. Yeah. I don't want anything to do with but it. But you might like it. <laughs> but you might like it. And if you don't, it doesn't throw hurt it my feeling. Just throw we it away. Care, yeah. I just don't want it. I figured maybe you would want it. The problem with that is she did not know, but our sister, Jessica, got Erica a gift that Erica had not opened yet. The funny thing is that my sister got Erica that exact candle. The exact one. Exact (laughs) one that she is literally handing to our mom, (laughs) describing how much she hates it. (laughs) The funniest part is when she opened it, and you and me just sat back. (laughs) Yeah, because this is going to be good. (laughs) Because you knew, obviously, but I was like sitting close to Jessica. Lauren and I were, is my wife. And Jessica leans over as Erica is just trashing this candle. <laughs> and she goes, that's literally the gift that I got for Erica that she has not <laughs> opened yet. And, and I go, oh, perfect. And I just sit, <laughs> sit back and wait. And it was funny to watch Erica then make a whole 180. I'm yes. like, well, I don't hate yeah, it. It's not that bad. I mean, it's just, you know, it was it was hilarious. <laughs> it is. It was a wonderful moment. But. Yeah. One of my favorite moments. One of my favorite moments, Christmas moments, was when I got a Ravens jacket mm. that you did not ask for. And when after I opened it, I was in fifth grade. Yeah. And I put it on, and you were just watching me. Yeah. You're like, you loved the jacket. Yeah. And you realized, crap, I made a mistake by not asking for that jacket. Yeah. So then my our dad, being very astute as he is, <laughs> he saw you looking he, at me jealously. He, he has like a sixth sense for when people are hurt. <laughs> and he said... And he finds a way to make it hurt said, more. And so he sees how jealous you are, and he says, "Hey Shane, 
don't worry, you're getting a jacket too. Yeah. And you went, really? Uh-huh, I was went, so excited. Yeah, you get Eric's leftover, old one. Yeah, he you get Eric's it. old jacket. <laughs> <laughs> you got a new one. <laughs> he doesn't need it anymore. And why I love that so much is I got an awesome present and I got to see you in pain. So it was a double <laughs> whammy, that see, present. Not only did you see me in pain, you got to see me in pain and but then, have hope, yeah, and, it and then it'd be crushed. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But anyways, Merry Christmas to everybody. Yeah, yeah. To all a good night and, and happy Hanukkah because that started uh, yesterday, right? For yeah. those people. Yeah. Well, I'm by the time you're listening to this, it'll be two days ago. Yeah. But how many? Let me wonder how many Jewish people listen to Not Your Mama's Christian podcast. Maybe some. Maybe it might be some. I, I mean, know. you're. Hey, you want to listen? All you can are listen. welcome. All are welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyways, if if you have some cool Christmas stories or something, um, then you want to shoot them our way. We could maybe share a few on air. That would yeah, be, you that can. Would be you can. Fun. You can message us. You can um, go to any of our any of our social medias. Um, Facebook, Instagram, mm-hmm. Twitter, and send us a message there. You can go to our website nymchristianpodcast at dot com and you can just contact us that way you can send us an email mm-hmm. um as well what other ways shane can they send us something oh easy you can just go out look at some christmas lights find a reindeer if you can't find a reindeer just uh, find uh, a regular deer okay and oh you mean a real reindeer not like a lit up no 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 like then why like do you have to look at christmas one? lights prior it's because it's christmas <laughs> to get you in the season yeah and find a reindeer if to you get you find... energized to go find that That's reindeer right. <laughs> if you can't find a reindeer just find a regular one and just put a light bulb on its nose and wrestle it to the ground uh-huh. take your story shave it into his hair slap its butt send it our way we'll get it easy well, yeah we'll definitely easy. Get it. it's always easy no problem so anyways we um we have an interview coming up about mm-hmm. social media shane what were some of like your first social media so so we we kind of talk about this we mentioned this in the interview and um uh, uh i am on a different page with eric and and the, the guy that we interviewed his name is jonathan green um, and Jonathan and I are on the same page compared to Eric, where our first use of social media, I believe, for me, was MySpace. I did use MySpace. Yes, yes. With the fact that it was used. But you you think that AIM is the first yeah, social media. AIM is the first social media. See, I and just I've, don't and feel I've like it is. I've had some more time to think about it. See, I think that it's, it's just text messaging. No, it's not just text messaging, because... Because you had a a user profile mm-hmm. that you would have a a username, yeah. So that was creative. That was like a way to identify yourself. Yeah. You would have um, away messages. You would be able to. You even had a little profile, if I remember correctly. You, you, you had a bio. You could write. It's just a uh, blank yeah. space. You could yeah. just write stuff. So I wrote his legend lyrics in there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's not just text messaging because people can go and see mm. your. It's the very first form of identifying yourself mm. online yeah. of, of doing that because yeah. so, what would be your definition of social media then because there were no pictures no i'm not asking that what is your definition of social media i that's what i'm saying is i feel like social media should include some pictures it has to that so your definition is a requirement is social media is is a uh, is pictures no, okay no i know i know what you're doing right now <laughs> um, no i'm i'm trying to get you to tell me what the definition of social media is, you can make it up if you want. <laughs> See, because I know what you're doing is you are you're taking what I'm saying and you're typing it into your computer right now and you're pulling up different de- definitions of social media. Okay, I'll give you just the definition. Okay. Okay, the dictionary definition. Okay. Okay. And let's see where the word pictures shows up. Go ahead. <laughs> Websites and applications that enable users to create and share content or to participate in social networking. So let me ask you a question, Shane. Do you think AIM 
with a website or an application. Hold on, wait, wait. No, <laughs> hold on. So, the, answer, so then would yes you, or no. would yes you or consider no. like Wikipedia social media then? Why? You don't make an, a username. Oh, is that, is that one of the rules on there? No, but you, you do it for social networking. I'm not... You, uh, you, to enable users to create, mm-hmm. so that's making your username, and share content. No, no, no. Hold on, no, no. It just says to enable users to create content. It doesn't say a username. Fair enough. It does not say username, but to create, but to enable users, so that has yes. to be... Yes, and anybody can go into Wikipedia yeah. and change things. Okay, but what part of Wikipedia is social networking? Because you connect with people over content. No, you don't. You don't connect with anybody. You don't talk to anybody. It's a, it's a, it's a dictionary. That, that'd be like every book you read because <laughs> somebody else reads that book in social networking now. You know it's not even true. You know, if, it's, if you can see his face, I, you, he knows that I've won this argument. But here's what we're All I know is Jonathan Green, who is our interview. Who, who did a great job directing. Who, who did a great job putting together a documentary on social media but disagrees with you. No, mainly on Instagram. He, what? It was mainly Instagram is his documentary. His yeah, no, it's, a, it's about social media though. Through Instagram. Yeah, but do you know how much do you know how much <laughs> research he put into yeah, it? I know, but he didn't talk about Facebook at all in the documentary. Yes, but he put yeah. the research in in prior to making the documentary. He was doing all this stuff and he talked listen, about it in the interview. I love John the Green. It was a great interview. And if he's listening now, listen, I'm sorry. But and he's right probably about ninety nine percent of things. AIM is social media according to the diction, according to the definition of website and application that enables my social to create media. and share content or to participate in social networking. If you want to make up a different definition. Not my social media. If you want to make up, was this fake news? Yeah. <laughs> if you want to make up a different definition, fine. Make it up. But according to the definition, <laughs> AIM is one of those. And that was the it first one It just didn't for me. feel like it. It doesn't feel like it was because social media Because it was the newest one. Because now you, we've it's been upgraded and there's different ways no, no, no. to yeah. share. Yeah, but MySpace to me was was like the first one in the platform that we've got now. Okay. But that's not the first social media. And you, that's it fine. Feels it's like the it first is version of what, of what we know. what we know now. But AIM is the first social media. I know what? I don't like it. Sometime this week, maybe Wednesday or Thursday, we're going to post a poll. And I okay. want to see okay. what people think. Whether AIM is the first social media mm-hmm. or MySpace. Now, if you are uh, born like after '95, this is this this doesn't work yeah, for you. You can't say if you don't even know what AIM is. Don't yes. don't you dare vote. Don't you dare. You only vote if you've had you both. Gen Zers. <laughs> <laughs> you only vote if you've had both. Okay. Yeah. But anyways, um, so well, my first MySpace though. Uh huh. Do you remember your first what 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 your page was kind of? My my MySpace is still up. Yeah, my MySpace is up. We talked about this before. Yeah, my MySpace is. I, I don't know the password to get in. No, I can't get in. I've I'm logged out at this point, but it just I think it's just myspace.com slash Eric Valenstein. Oh yeah, we, yeah, we have talked about this because let do me you know see. What, let me you, looking it up. Do you know what MySpace? What yeah. my URL? If you do that, is? guys, if you do that, I will pop up. It will just be a picture of me, thumbs <laughs> up, and some of my top eight, and there's only three of them that have pictures at this point. Yeah, well, and yours um, don't have a picture anymore, Shane. What? well go to mine eric my url is myspace.com slash eric topper yep so i took it i took it from him yeah it's uh hold on yes brooklyn oh the movie's over (laughs) oh the movie's over (laughs) okay can you wait one second so we can finish this honey i'm not cutting this out oh great oh okay you can play in the basement basement. that's with camden okay bye girls 
All oh, right. right. Okay. All right. okay. Don't, don't, Lauren, don't listen to this. <laughs> so uh, we are interviewing today Jonathan Green, who did an awesome documentary mm-hmm. called Social Animals. Yeah. I highly recommend you find it and watch it. Um, it will be streaming very soon. We say the dates um, in the interview. Yeah. Um, but it was when you we watched it the same day, not together, but right away I was texting Shane. like, this is really good. Yeah, yeah, because sometimes we get some like uh, offers to do an interview or to talk to somebody, and we're like, oh, we're not really that interested in whatever it is that, yeah. that we, we might We might not like enjoy the content as much or, or whatever. But this one, we were like, we really enjoy it. And we're not, we're not just saying that. Like, I really enjoy documentaries, but to me it was really interesting to talk about Instagram and to find that. And, and I'm, we're, I'm 31, you're 33. When I know that to some people that's old, but we've had Instagram for years and um, we've had all the social medias and all this sort of things. We still do. Um, but there was like so much where I was like, I don't understand this. Yeah. And I was really feeling old watching it, but yeah. it was a, it was, it was really good. Really Especially having daughters and yeah. now I have a son, like knowing that I, I don't know if Instagram will still be around them, but um, there'll be something yeah. like seeing what, Young, younger people are going through, teenagers are going through when it comes to Instagram and how it's forming. I can just only imagine mm-hmm. in high school. I mean, I remember how much my first social media aim influenced me in high school. But <sighs> um, if, I mean, MySpace had top friends. And remember, yep. if you moved someone, people oh, got pissed. Oh, yeah, people got so real So imagine if we had Instagram. Like, that's a whole new level. We'd have some yeah. of the same problems. For all you kids born after 95, okay. imagine having Instagram and you had to rank your top friends and you can only fit eight of them up there. Yeah. And you had to put eight, and the order mattered. Yeah, that it was, was my random space. eight. Because like we had a friend who would constantly shuffle us around. Yeah, if we like didn't call him, yeah, like, we were I all on his like, top I eight. To eight. <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> I made him mad somehow. So like that, it was really really weird. But um, I don't. There there are laws and rules with Instagram now that I don't understand. And honestly, I it doesn't matter to me. But it's interesting to see from other people. The documentary does a great job showing some of the good things about. In, uh, social media mainly instagram and some of the bad things about it yeah. and some of the things opportunities you can get because of it and some of the really hurt and pain so i highly recommend going to see this uh, documentary but let's get to our interview with the director of this documentary jonathan green Jonathan, your your documentary, Social Animals, uh, we definitely really enjoyed it. How long did it take for you to, to make this documentary? Well, we started, it's kind of a funny story, but we started, <laughs> um, we started making the film about three years before it was completed, two and a half years maybe, and we really started making a different documentary. Um, all, the short version is we were kind of focused on the photography community on Instagram and we started flying all over the world and shooting these interviews and like meeting these cool photographers that were kind of these untrained had found their, their voice through this platform. And when we got back, we we're like, you know, these are kind of interesting interviews. They don't really fit together into the narrative that we had en- envisioned. And, you know, we decided to pivot pretty dramatically and we're like, what, what's really at stake? What are we, what do we want to say about social media and how can we get into that topic? And so we, we pivoted dramatically toward focusing on on teenagers mm-hmm. um, who are kind of coming of age um, in a world that you know didn't exist before yeah. the generation. So I, I don't know uh, what era you grew up in, but um, what was your first experience with social media that you can remember in your life? 
Oh man, that's a great question. <laughs> um, well, it wasn't when I was a teenager. I'll tell you that. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think, um, I think I was in college, um, in maybe in, I think when Facebook came out, I was getting my graduate degree mm-hmm. and, I was in a community where it was a conservatory, uh, the American Film Institute, and I remember um, everybody being on Facebook and kind of connecting and um, and being like, ah, I guess I should do this because when we graduate, I'm going to want to be able to connect to all these people. And yeah, so I yeah. was like looking at it more from a almost like a strategic business move or something. <laughs> yeah. um, but then obviously it, it grew like for all of us. And, mm-hmm every part of our lives. Yeah. So you never had aim or MySpace or anything like that? No, never did. I mean, <laughs> I had, I had aim for sure, but I never, I never got into MySpace. Oh, uh, see, MySpace was our first introduction. No, we, we were... had aim before MySpace. Yeah, yeah, we had, but MySpace was, aim seems different to me than like, yeah, it's like texting. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Like Guys, it's still is... social media, I, I think, know, isn't but it? I don't know, I don't is know. it? I don't know. What? I don't know Are if you I agree just... with that. Hold on, hold on. It's not? <laughs> I always considered that was my first social media was aim. It's just like texting somebody. Yeah, I it... feel like it's more like, Instant, you know, it's like Messenger. Yeah. <sighs> okay. I don't, I don't agree with either of you, but, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of goes to like, how do you how do you define social media? It's like, yeah. Did you have an avatar check? Kind of. Did you post things that people could look at when you weren't online? Yeah, like like be right back messages. <laughs> On a way message. No, <laughs> away but you were still uh, online. <laughs> you were still online. No, you were away. Yeah, but but you were still online. <laughs> anyway, okay, yeah. let's get back to Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, so, Jonathan, give us question. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, give us some background on on you on just uh, could you talk you talked about some of your schooling and stuff. So, some background on on what got you here. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, I did go to film school a couple of times, but. Um, Right now, and for a number of years, I've been a partner at a company called Conscious Minds, and we um, we're a content agency, which is just a fancy way of saying we make um, commercials, branded content, do strategy for social media channels for brands. One, our main client um, that we've been with the longest is Nike, and we've just been super involved in the at Nike Instagram account and shaping a lot of that. And even right now, we're doing a bunch more stuff for them. Um, but also a lot of other kinds of things for for their brand and for other brands like Uber and Snapchat and others. And so we just ha- we gotten a lot of exposure to to social media and social media marketing through mm-hmm. our company. Um, my own journey has always kind of been more along the lines of traditional filmmaking, um, but it's always or really since I was an undergrad, I've always used that to kind of do work for clients, do work for brands while I'm also making my passion project films. Um, and so this was my first feature length documentary. Awesome. So the, the documentary social animals, it follows three teenagers, Kaylin, Hamza and Emma and their kind of experiences and what they deal with when it comes to social media. And they're, they're all very different. Yeah. And mainly Instagram, but they're all very different subjects. So how did you find these three particular people and um, what led you to saying this is who we want to focus on for for the story? Yeah, I mean, I think great question. I mean, it's it's interesting um, when we made that pivot that I was talking about. We we were looking at teenagers, um, and we we started interviewing honestly dozens of teenagers and both phone interviews, and then we put a bunch even on camera, which later became kind of the chorus part of the film. Um, 
And we were really just looking for diverse stories of teenagers doing very different things that came from very different backgrounds. And so, you know, really Hamza, Emma and Kaylin don't belong in a movie together, except Mm -hmm. that we put them in a movie together. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're looking for is to find three characters that really had nothing in common other than the fact that this platform had impacted their lives in some dramatic way for good, for bad, for both. Um, Mm -hmm. and we, and then obviously as we were being a little strategic, we're like, well, we've got this East coast cool grew up in the projects in Queens guy. And we've got this California girl. We need somebody from the middle of the, the the country that maybe has a more kind of relatable common story, but, but still has a story to share Mm -hmm. that. And that's one of the main things I, I loved about this documentary is I didn't feel like um, I hate when I watch documentary and I can tell the bias that it's pushing on me. Like, the, here's the message I know they want me to think. Like, we've talked about making a murder a lot on here and like how one-sided it is. And I hate when it's that way. It makes me almost not believe it. Where I watch this, I was like, I don't feel like... I think it's just like, here it is. Like, this is what it is. Here's three examples of it. And I didn't feel like that I was really being pushed in a certain way. It just really felt vulnerable and authentic to just what it was was that like intentional were you trying to do that or, or how are you going about that yeah i mean we that was definitely our, our intent i mean i think i'm i'm of the same camp that you are in a lot of ways i mean i don't mind if a filmmaker has a point of view but mm-hmm. i think i think the power of storytelling i had a, a mentor say to me one time um a good story or a good film makes you feel a question and I love this idea of life is too complicated to put in these kind of black and white boxes, at least from my point of view. And I think we often, even in our political landscape and in other spheres of life, we, we want to have this like binary. Is it good or is it bad? Is it mm-hmm. red or is it blue? And, and I think um, it sometimes keeps us from having the more important nuanced conversations where we're open to discussing the gray stuff, the stuff that is really makes up most of life. And so I think with the film, our artistic vision as storytellers was we actually interviewed a ton of experts and psychologists and social media marketers and Ted talk people and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And once we got in the editing room, we're like, we don't really want to hear what any of those people have to say. Let's let the teenagers talk about their experience. Let's make it messy and complicated and let's not say it's one way or another. Let's just say it's a mess and mm-hmm. let people deal with it. And hopefully they have that. Hopefully it, it, it um, you know, provokes conversation, which is kind of the point of the film that people talk about the stuff more. The, yeah, the thing both both of us felt. Um, I have two, I have three kids, two daughters. Shane has a daughter, <coughs> and um, what watching it, they're both young, four and three. Uh, my wife and I were watching, it and right away we we're like, "Oh no!" <laughs> like <laughs> this yeah. is terrifying. <laughs> like I was literally pissed off at times, and then I was super sad at times. Like just thinking of, "Oh, this is coming for me!" Like quick, mm-hmm. like this whole new dynamic of it. Do you do you have kids? Yeah, I do. My daughter's a little bit older; she's ten. But okay. my two sons are older than her still, and they were. My son, um, my oldest, was becoming was about to be a teenager when I started making this film, and yeah. it certainly like felt like personal stakes as I was interviewing all these teenagers like they're just a few years ahead of where my son is and mm-hmm. and what's this going to be like for him so what do you recommend for for parents that have kids in this era right now that are dealing with their kids on Instagram and all the stuff that comes with that we don't want to spoil anything in the documentary but um, uh, what, what would be your advice for them I try to shy away from advice <laughs> I probably I probably do everything wrong as a parent. I don't know. Well, like, 
I mean, I think my my more conceptual advice, if if that's a thing, is you know a little less tactical. Like, oh, you should do this or shouldn't do that, and it's more kind of what I said about the point of the film. It's have these conversations with your with your kids, um, and it's I think sometimes we think like, oh, we're going to have a conversation, we're going to put rules around it, and then it's done. Like it or not, this is an ongoing thing, and I don't think you just like set your track and what your rules are and put it on autopilot, hope for the best. I think it has to be ongoing engagement with these mm-hmm. topics, and certainly like the things that we've implemented in our house are for us, and I don't think that mm-hmm. everybody should do what I do, because what do I know? But it's it's what our convictions were were the best for our kids. Um, mm-hmm. I do think, too, like anything else, whether it be, you know, Anything that has that much power, you know, alcohol or food or anything, mm-hmm. it's about finding the balance and health. And mm-hmm. I think that it kind of caught all of us as parents off guard because this thing just happened. You guys are kind of the benefit of your kids are young enough, but mm-hmm. you've, social media has been around for 15 years and you've kind of had it on your radar. You used it a lot. You figured it out for your yeah, we started with AIM. We started with yeah, AIM. You had AIM. <laughs> you, know, you had that avatar, <laughs> that you had back message. Um, but I think for a lot of parents of those teenagers now didn't have it themselves yeah. at a younger age. And so it kind of caught them off guard and they're trying to figure it out. And mm-hmm. I don't think communicating with your kids solves everything, but it certainly can help. Yeah. Well, and that, that's a really good answer because we both worked as youth pastors for so long and working with teenagers, you have a wide range of the way people parent. And I remember having some parents who had no supervision whatsoever for their teenagers in regards to their phone, social media, and then other parents who literally printed off every text conversation and knew every single thing that their child was doing. <laughs> and those parents also wanted me to teach that from the stage and say, this is the way it needs to be because their kids hated it. So it was a really different difficult balance to, yeah. to because like you said every kid is different and some some teenagers may be able to handle social media better than others may be more responsible and other ones may not be and that's part of this documentary is that you got three different kids from all different well I shouldn't call them kids they're teenagers from all different areas and all different walks of life and they handled it different ways and um, some ways where it's like oh okay that's harmless Another ways where it's like that is extremely dangerous, <laughs> and I'm terrified for this person right now. You know, but it's really yeah. interesting how you can see the different dynamics involved, right? Yeah. But um, talk a little bit about how you think uh, social media and Instagram in, in particular affects the self worth of of a teenager, and not even just a teenager, individuals, even adults as well. Yeah, I mean, and that was kind of just to speak to that for a second. That was kind yeah. of the point of the documentary too, is like make a film that's about teenagers that hopefully adults watch and say like, uh, guilty, like uh-huh. I'm doing those things too. And I'm behaving in that way because I do think the, the behaviors that it elicits or encourages are, are certainly not limited to teenagers. It's just, they have so much at stake because they're being formed as, as people while mm-hmm. it's happening. Um, mm-hmm. and many of us adults are probably too. Yeah. Um, but I do think, um, Sorry, the first part of your question was... Yeah, uh, about the self-worth involved for, right, for right. teenagers. Right, I think, I mean, there's, you know, it's a it's a complicated thing, right, to unpack. Mm-hmm. I think one of the big things that, that I found and that struck me is um, this kind of idea that, you know, nothing's new under the sun. Teenagers have always had body issues and insecurity and yeah. trying to trying to um, be popular and really needing the affirmation of their peer group and on and on and on. Um, 
I think what what is different and what hopefully the film allows people to think about is that now we have not just the self, but we have the digital self. And the yeah. digital self is kind of always on and it stands in as this proxy for us, even when we're not in social situations. Um, there used to be this division between like my public self and my private self. And now I have those two, but then I also have this other thing called the digital self that's always on and it almost works like like a brand, right? Mm -hmm. And it's always kind of advertising. The billboard's always up. Somebody could be at three in the morning and see my Instagram post from three hours ago and comment on it. And there's interactions happening. And so I do feel like in a way it, by nature objectifies us. Um, and I think there's, there's hazards and kind of call outs that we need to be aware of in that because we can start to look at ourselves as brands, as a commodity, as like, well, how are my analytics doing? Um, how many likes am I getting? How many followers do I have? And that is, that is different. And that self-worth can be, and again, not just for teenagers, for adults, for myself, mm -hmm. like I fall into that. Cause you get that little dopamine hit when you yeah. get that little like thing, you're like, Oh dang, like yeah. 50 people like this in an hour. That's, that's hot, mm -hmm. you know? Uh -huh. So uh -huh. I do think that, um, it's a complicated thing that we're all navigating. And I mean, I've certainly like you know, deleted the app off my phone for a month at a time, multiple times, just cause I'm like, I feel like I'm just looking at this all the time. And I'm, mm -hmm. it's taking up all that white space in my life that used to just be silence mm -hmm. that I could like in those white spaces often is when we, when we have this internal important internal monologue where we shape our opinions of ourselves and others. Mm -hmm. And when you fill that silence with that usually helps you have that internal monologue and it's no longer internal monologue. It's just consuming what everybody else's self is. I, I think that something is lost and you can, you can verge very quickly into unhealth, at least in my own experience, but, but also in the experience of the, some of the kids we talked to. Yeah. I, I, Louis CK has a good stand up bit about just being in silence and boredom. Um, and not always being on your phone, which you kind of touched on. I don't remember the exact bit, and I don't know if we're allowed to talk about Louis C.K. anymore. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, um, so you talked about some of the um, the things that can be worrisome for a teenager. What are some of the positives when it comes to having Instagram or any social media? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, um, Hamza in the film is a great example because he's a kid who. You know, he thought he'd just grow up on these four blocks and probably become a drug dealer because that's what he saw other kids in mm -hmm. his neighborhood doing. And, and he was in, you know, he was in the projects in Queens, New York, and he had very limited. He was, you know, not privileged at all. He didn't have a lot of the opportunities that so many people have. And um, so two things I think happened in his case that are examples of things that can be good first of all, he was able to find this talent and, and kind of like have connections with people outside of the four blocks and see much bigger world. Mm -hmm. um, but also he's able to find community, which we all need outside of just whoever was in arm's reach. And I think um, certainly social media allows people to connect with like-minded people that they would not have geographical connection to. And I do think there's a ton of po potential positives to that. Mm -hmm. um, and and I think, you know, um, whether it's this kid that grew up in the projects or whether it's this this kid that's just in suburbia Midwest, but really none of the people in their friend group are really or in their access are like into the same things they're into and they feel very isolated. And then maybe they can find people of like mind to go build 
robots that fight each other, like whatever the <laughs> weird thing that they're yeah. into that maybe like everybody else is a freaking jock, you know? Yeah, um, and they yeah. can find community and hopefully not just live strictly online, but like allow them to build friendships that would extend into the physical world and, and a more holistic friendships. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And it's, it is always cool for even just for us at now being adults and us being a little bit further along in life and connecting with people that we used to know and haven't seen in so long. And that's one of the, the best parts about social media. But, um, I thought that it was, uh, it was interesting with, the um, with the teenagers where they were talking about at one point in the documentary and that like, so we're not giving anything away, but they're talking about the different, um, unspoken, codes that are involved with social media that I had no idea about. I don't know if you did. <laughs> no. um, but uh, and, and, and it's just probably because we're in our 30s and um, we're a little bit further along. But there, there are certain things that, like you can't have two selfies right next to each other. I remember Emma talking yeah. about that on your <laughs> yeah. timeline. I'm like, I would have never thought, well, I, first of all, I'm not taking selfies of just myself and posting it online. But I would have never thought about that. And there's this yeah. whole other world of laws and rules that are unspoken, but are also, everybody knows them, for teenagers that shape the way that they go about it. Did, was there, were there any surprises for you as you were doing this where you were like, I had no idea that this was a thing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting is like, and not to like hit too hard the kind of brand, self-brand analogy, but it's like, they know, they know like the practices the, of the trade, right mm -hmm. of like how you do this so well i mean even emma talks about like when you post to get the most yeah. likes <laughs> you like, know what? <laughs> and i was like you've really like you've done and this isn't like oh somebody told her that this is like so many kids were talking about and they had basically the same answers because they've basically done like the the test group yeah. like they've yeah. been around they they're looking at the patterns they're they're cracking the code on how this works and how you get the most success and and it is very kind of um, you know, commoditize and sermon like this is when you get the most like eyeballs and impressions and it's all the stuff that marketers talk about, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um and it's it's interesting that they they kind of because they just grown up on these platforms, they kind of intuit a lot of that stuff that people of, of our generation would be like, um, what do you do? Like how do you do that? <laughs> yeah. Um so it is interesting. It is interesting. Mm -hmm. One one of the things that um, I think is awesome about this, and then uh, we'll we'll get close to wrapping up. But um, if you're if you're if you watch this documentary and you're like, well, first of all, you're a teenager and you kind of know that it's just like kind of real life stuff. But what I found is that a lot of older generation people or, or parents they think of like Instagram drama or that kind of stuff is as just teenage stuff, whatever. I think this does a really good job of being like, this is so much more than just yeah, it's big, just a social media thing. This is like life or death, just like when, when we were all teenagers and bullying and, and all this stuff. But now it's a whole new level where you can bully without actually seeing them and just doing it uh, cyberbullying and it's a whole different level. Um, so I thought one of the best things about it, if you don't care about Instagram at all, it's just a great look at like, oh, this is a huge danger for things that we normally think isn't that big a deal. It's just Instagram. Who cares? But it's actually a huge danger if you're not careful with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think... That's a great like point to make because I think one of the reflections that I had making this film is that social media is not like this compartmentalized thing that's over here on the side that just lives in this contained world. Like that because it is so integrated, they don't see it like that. And and I think even a lot of adults to this point don't even see it like that. It's basically just your life being expressed in these different spheres mm -hmm. and 
anything that can happen in your real life is probably happening digitally in some manner. And in the same way, like that we need to be thoughtful about how we conduct ourselves around other people. We need to be thoughtful about how we conduct ourselves in this world. And it's just, it's just part of their experience. It's not my social media, like personality. It's just their personality. You know, it's not my social media kind of rules and whatever. No, it's just how they think about themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that dichotomy is of like, this is over here and it's digital self. And this is my normal life is kind of gone away because this is just second nature. And it's, and it's important for us to think about these things, even for a teenager. Like I'm glad that that social media wasn't really huge when, when we were teenagers because now you see people who have had it their whole lives and are getting into the adult world. Like You see a lot of athletes a lot of times once they get drafted by a team and then somebody brings up all of their old tweets from when they were 14 yeah. and it's like yeah. racist or sexist and, mm-hmm. and th- we've all done things and said things as a dumb preteen or teenager that I would not want anyone to know now as a pastor. <laughs> right? Yeah. But it's it's a real thing that that we need to think about that is a new dynamic and this generation is the first generation to really have to deal with that. And it's all this it power that's given to people that don't really know how to use that power responsibly at this point. And so it, it can and it can hurt you for a long time if you're not careful with it or not taught correctly or anything. Right, right, right. It's well, it's scary. I think that's an interesting point too. It's like it kind of in as much as we're constantly documenting and recording so much of our social experience, it's almost like those, those undocumented times of life as a teenager are less and less where you can just kind of experiment and in real time, see what lands in the crowd of my peers and what Mm -hmm. doesn't. And now you're doing that, but somebody's like, taping it and it becomes a record of who you are and it might have legs outside of that that one hour that you you know Mm -hmm. had a drink and said some stuff you shouldn't have said or whatever yeah yeah Um, and it's interesting how you know like you know even with kaylin we were kind of looking at what does it mean for a girl to become a woman while she's kind of becoming this Mm -hmm. online personality and a brand and when you're so young, you're navigating this this whole other powerful thing at the same time that you're kind of being formed and figuring out who you are. Mm-hmm. And certainly, like on a different scale, every teenager is doing that. Yeah, it, it makes us have to like define yourself quicker than normal. I remember when I was in high school. When I got out of high school, I was really shy and timid. And I went to college. I remember thinking, I'm going to change who I am in college, and I would purposely like find the prettiest girl in class and sit next to her and like some of that stuff that I never did in high school. Where now it's like you have to form your image um, so much quicker now, and your failures are always highlighted mm-hmm. now, and mm-hmm. so it's like you're defined by those failures now for a lot longer, and it's hard to like just adjust and grow as you're as you're growing as a person because yeah. th- my high school self is not who I am now, <laughs> but totally. for a, for a lot of people with 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 social media now, it's like you have to figure out who you are earlier than ever. And you got to stick with that because now there's, it's documented who you are Mm -hmm. and that can be hard. Well, and I think that's a really interesting point. almost goes back to the rules of Instagram thing you guys were bringing up earlier. I found like two very different, um, approaches to social media when interviewing like dozens of these teenagers. There are the ones that never deleted anything. And mm-hmm. you could go back and literally see when they got Instagram on their first day and they took a picture of their foot or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. they were 12 years old or 13 years old or something. And then the other school, the more curated like way was that 
literally at any given time, they would have eight to 12 pictures on their Instagram. They were mm-hmm. deleting almost more than they were posting because mm-hmm. they were limiting what that view into their life and their history could be at all times. Wow. Um, That's and interesting. so <laughs> it is interesting that people are kind of the pendulum swings both ways where people are like, no, I will only want you to see the last like eight months plus this one cute picture of my dog from three years ago yeah. and <laughs> nothing else. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's wild to think because i i always think of like whenever somebody breaks up with some or like you know there's a relationship and there's all these pictures oh, yeah. of these teenagers with their, that, dude. yeah yeah you gotta delete all those and then some people it's like you gotta see well how long do they leave it when do they take it down <laughs> do they still have some oh, hope yeah. that, that they're gonna get back together <laughs> you know it's, it's weird all those sort of things but uh but jonathan we really appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us we really yeah. enjoyed the documentary social animals it has an 86 percent rating on rotten tomatoes so it's a really good film it comes out december 11th is that right that's right it's, uh you can pre-order it now on itunes but it'll be available to watch on itunes and other video on demand platforms mm-hmm. uh on december 11th yeah and, and we cannot recommend it enough we really really like yeah it. it's really important it's really awesome so uh john thank you so much for your time and thank you for making this awesome documentary yeah thanks for having me guys have a good one Thank you for listening to Not Your Mama's Christian Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a nice review. To support the podcast, you can go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash nymchristianpodcast. Music provided by The Revived. Check them out at therevivedmusic.com. Stay connected with us by liking us on Facebook and following us on Twitter and Instagram.